0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
2: You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We got a lot more to get to on today's show. We still got this, that, and the third coming up. We're going to clue you in on a world record attempt Going on tonight, attempt, plus NFL injury report, James Harden, no shows in the 76ers. He is ghosting. We have an NFL injury (laughs) update. uh, But right now, we're going to welcome in friend of the program. I think we got him here, guys. Jason Fitz, he's here.
0: He made it. Yes, we
3: have Yahoo
0: Sports football host, Fox Sports radio host, Jason Fitz. Joining us here, who needs to unmute his computer right now and be a professional? I mean, seriously. Before
3: I you've been doing this.
1: Look, Mike sent me the wrong link this morning. Let's just throw him under the bus before we get here. I'm here making this show energetic, making this show beautiful, bringing the uh, the 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 soul of a champion from Vegas this morning. Let's go, guys. Come on. Oh,
3: you know, Let's... I'm just shut up, Jason. Okay, how about that? Let me let me ask you this, Jason, right out of the gate. If you were to go to your in the bathroom. And open up the the cabinet under your sink, and just to get a towel or something, and saw a possum. What would you do?
1: Uh, so two things. One, you immediately close. Said uh, this is going to get me in so much trouble. But you, you immediately close it, and then like I've got this baseball bat that. Uh, oh no! my, Oh my god! No, I'm going to defend no. myself. It's a pause. I'm going to defend But Look, I've, I've been in the South a long time. Usually I could call a buddy and he'd probably come up. But no, no, Like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defend Mike. myself. Well, patio Possum's going down. Patio clo- Possum's going down.
3: You close the door. What do you have to defend yourself from? You think he's breaking out of that and attacking you? Well, yeah,
0: no, no, the I Possum gotta, hasn't I gotta... been lifting
1: weights and doing
0: cocaine ready to fight you all day you, you in there. No,
1: You don't know. Patty. <laughs> don't po- I saw you were naming him. I've named him Patio Opossum. Well, patio I mean, possum- for a while,
0: Jason Fitz might have been in the running because you guys kind of look the same. But now, after your wow. threat some violence, no more.
1: You know. Wow. no, no. Like, I'm using the bat to scare him out the back door. Like, you open the thing, you scare him out the back. You, you, and then he goes out, he goes running out the door. Like, this is a per- Like, Mike, you know my athleticism. It's not like I have enough aim to actually hit anything. Good God. Good so, like, uh, the, the best I'm going to do is true. scare him out the door. Like, I'm just, I'm going to be an imposing figure, and then he's going to go running out the door. Do
3: you my really God. think it'll be an, opposing, an, an imposing yeah, figure an imposing, to even a possum?
0: Really? Actually, like, well, the possum's look, hiss is somehow in yeah. a lower register than your little high
1: pitched yeah. squeals. I feel my, like the my, thing might be more afraid of you. I'm looking at these like, but I'm trying to figure out why your possum's so chill. Like again, this really? Is, so like, possums are. I mean, like, the, my experience again, southern, a lot of life in, in the south. My experience with possums, you know, possums and dogs don't get along. You know, I always have dogs, right? Like, I've always sort of seen a, like hyperactivity out of it. Your your possum's just like back there living living that sweet life.
3: He's in a bunch of towels. I mean, it, it, what a home he's made for himself. It yeah. looks so
0: comfy. They do, like, warm and closed spaces, so the hot water running down the pipe is, as I said, again, animal control. I learned a ton yesterday. Shout out to Manhattan Beach Animal Control. I learned a ton, and me and possums have that in common. We all love a warm, close, cozy little space. And so I've just created and uh, curated a great vibe around here, and clearly the possum picked up on that vibe. So we're not going to let you mess with that vibe right now, Jason. Uh, You did mention your championship, Las Vegas Aces. I will give you a minute to gloat because we were talking before about mark davis and the investment in this team that las vegas has made in the aces that's now paid off in back-to-back championships kind of being the poster for what we'd imagine to see more of and really both of these ownership groups in the aces and the liberty the psi family and what they've put in to the new york liberty the two super teams here but las vegas the center of the WNBA universe right now fitzy
1: yeah and i think you know if you look at mark davis the owner his methodology, whether it's for the Raiders or whether it's for the Aces, is very clear. He's going to go out. He's going to figure out who people tell him is the absolute best coach. He will pay whatever it takes to bring that absolute best coach in. And then when you say these are the talented players I want, that's what he'll do. Like this, this is a team built particularly with what the for the second straight year I've heard lack of depth, lack of depth, lack of depth. Didn't matter. You go out and you hire the absolute best players at every position and you let depth figure it itself out. That works really well in the W. I think one of the things for Mark, though, is he looks at that and says, why isn't that working for the Raiders? Well, you guys know this as well as anybody in a 53-man roster. You can't have exactly what the Raiders have right now, which is four or five really great players And about 47 others that you're like, oh, they're on the roster, right? So it's funny because I think what Mark has done makes a ton of sense. say, Mark, like we're buddies. What Mr. Davis (laughs) has done? Are
0: you the one giving him
1: the bowl cut here? What's going on? I would call me MD. I'd help you out with that. Uh, But, you know, he builds great facility. MD, I I hate you. MD is a a, a normal. uh, People inside the organization definitely call him MD. I know that. Uh, look at me, he's just gloating. Uh, no, but it, like you look at the facilities, you look at the investment, very simple. He went in and said, I'm going to invest in great players and give them a great facility that they're excited to come to. I'm going to make sure it's a destination free agents want to play in. I'm going to pay a premium. I'm going to hire the best coach in the world. I'm going to put all my money behind it, and then I'm going to dance with everybody on back-to-back titles.
3: So back-to-back titles, they're the, they're the, the toast of the WNBA, but I'll ask this question that was asked some years ago when she was with Greg Popovich and that's kind of hasn't been talked about a lot as of late, Becky Hammond, NBA head coach, Is that ever going to happen? Do you think?
1: Yeah. I think, I think the minute pop anoints it, it happens, right? Like that's the, the, the sort of coach in waiting. I think she's in a great situation while Popovich starts the Yama tour. And then at some point he passes the torch to Becky. I, I think Becky's the heir, heir apparent for Popovich. And at that point, you know, then things get interesting because you can have the greatest coach in the world at the highest premium, but when you got to go out and hire that person again. I mean, Becky Hammett deserves a ton of credit. They won that game last night wildly shorthanded, and they still went out and won a WNBA championship in part because they have the best coach not just in the W, but one of the best coaches in all of basketball.
0: Yeah, a defensive masterpiece last night for them going up against the uh, Liberty on their home court where they had been pretty potent. Uh, offense hard to come by for the Raiders, though, Fits. How concerned are you, Devontae Adams, even coming off a win out here publicly complaining about the lack of touches that he's had in this offense? What have you made of his role? Because even watching for me, and I don't watch nearly as closely as you do being a Raiders fan, I've been stunned at the way that this offense is at multiple junctures, deferred more to Jacoby Myers, wandered away from Devontae Adams, who still is the team leader in targets and catches and all those things. But it seems like they go long swaths where they almost forget about him.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those problems that is a weird word to use here, but Jacoby Myers has been a delightful signing for the Raiders, and because of all the attention paid to Devontae, Jacoby's had tons of opportunity. It's been obvious from the outset uh, that Garoppolo is more comfortable just going to where it's safer and easier to deliver the football. Now, I don't really give a damn what Aaron Rodgers thinks about the Raiders' offense, but he spoke pretty plainly about the fact that as a quarterback, you've got to get the ball to Devontae. I think what, what Devontae has here that we're not used to players at this level having is agency. And I know you guys love this from a player standpoint, but here's the thing. He does not care what anybody in that organization thinks. It's been apparent since before the season even started when he was like, yeah, I'm not really in on on the way we're approaching things. I'm not really in on what the game plan is. He's, he continues to say, this is what I want. This is how I want it because he has nothing to lose. Like if they trade him, he's going to go somewhere. He'd rather be, if they don't trade him, he's part of fixing the culture. I honestly think the Raiders need somebody that's as bluntly honest as he is. And he's right. Quarterbacks have been afraid to deliver 50, 50 balls to him. Even when he's been open, I, this is not to me. If you go back and watch the all 22 and I talk to guys smarter than me, obviously all the time with this stuff, it's not a coaching issue. I mean, he's, He's open. It's an aggressiveness issue from the quarterback position. It, it,
3: it is, and I've covered the last couple of games for Las Vegas out there, and you—you you quite honestly have been absent out there as you know you don't want to hang out anymore. Yeah. Um, but I—I I, I have noticed. I mean, Hunter Renfro has disappeared from that offense. Michael Mayer—they're finally starting to get involved. And the running game, Josh Jacobs was a leading rusher in the league last year. He's not even averaging three yards a carry. So it's been a frustrating offense. But part of that also has been what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, Jason. Who do you think is that – you have Brian Hoyer do the Raiders as the backup – is the best backup quarterback because I think we saw six last week and we're going to continue to see more.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a really interesting question because I think Brian Hoyer came into the second half of that game and showed everybody, hey, I can manage this offense. Fans want to see more Aiden O'Connell, the kid out of Purdue. But Aiden O'Connell in the first half did what a lot of rookie quarterbacks do. He just sat there forever. I mean, Khalil Mack feasted on Aiden O'Connell because he had no idea when Khalil Mack was coming to him. That's the wrong way to go. I think Brian Hoyer, frankly, doesn't give a lot of future hope for the organization. But when you're 3-3... and I mean, right now you got to worry about right now. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hoyer in in this game this weekend if Jimmy G can't go. But if he is in this game, I don't know if you noticed this, Mike, but in the second half there were a couple of times he went over to the bench and just crouched down in front of Devante and they were talking. And yeah. it was very obvious that Hoyer's over here saying, I know, I know, I know. But I think – and I'm not just saying this because i got got two, two guys that love fat boys in this – like, I, I think if you look at the core problem of the Raiders offense, they've used six offensive linemen more than any team in the NFL. They use mm-hmm. six offensive linemen and a fullback, and their quarterbacks are still throwing the ball scared of getting hit constantly because the offensive line is not good enough. It's not a health issue. It's a communication issue, and it has not been good enough. So what you have is, like, if you if the game plan is drop back, wait for Devontae to have a little sliver, throw him the ball, I think quarterbacks are afraid to wait that long to do it. I just – they're, they're dropping back and saying, this is right there. Get it out of my hand. I don't want to get murdered.
0: Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch. I will say I think this is a good sign, though, because if the past is predictive, every receiver that we have watched publicly complain about a lack of touches so far this year has been handsomely rewarded on the other side. It's a big we- year for squeaky wheels getting grease. A.J. Brown, I think the most recent recipient of that, in Philadelphia Fitz we talked about this before though overall the struggles that the Raiders have had the Broncos season this defense really being the Achilles heel of this group and then the Chargers lately with Brandon Staley finally getting burned this last week most of the conversation around him had been about fourth down decision making and stuff like that but in general this just does not seem like a team that overall is well coached right now the Chiefs might have the easiest path to a division crown they've had in quite some time around here.
1: Yeah, and, but there's also this part of me, let, let's be honest, I'm living in fear, y'all, because like, think about this. I think the Broncos have a very good chance of ending up being the worst team in the NFL this year, which means I have a very good chance of, as a fan of having to take on, I'm presuming at some point the Chargers will find a competent coach for Justin Herbert, and we all know Justin Herbert's great. So then i got to take on Mahomes. Herbert and Caleb Williams for the next decade plus like they don't make <laughs> oh, enough you're, whiskey. You're to already penciling
0: back. him in right there. Yeah, you're already having Caleb, Caleb, Williams, Caleb Williams out of the Denver, Broncos okay. and this
1: is yeah and the, the Raiders you know especially you look at the next this is this is the exercise we all have to stop doing. We have to stop asking like what records mean and start asking like is your team good? Because the Raiders are 3 and 3 and they're not particularly good. They I think they're going to beat Chicago this weekend. They got a couple more winnable games on the schedule. They're going to get to six or seven wins I think pretty easily. They're not good, right? So then you got it every year, you're just constantly beating your head against this wall of like, are we actually good? In a league where the, a third of the league is around 500, what do you do when that most of that third is just not good? It really needs to press reset.
3: Speaking of we were talking about this week, we talked about this earlier, the, the glaring best matchup of the week is Miami at Philadelphia. But we asked earlier, do you think that low-key, maybe it's the Lions and the Ravens, game that might be the biggest game this weekend or do you have another one
1: no i I, look the lions ravens game is only interesting to me because i'm still at the spot where i don't know how much i can trust the ravens like i just i'm i'm shooketh at times by the fact that the ravens have found interesting ways to lose which isn't something we're used to seeing harbaugh doing right and it's interesting to me because when you talk about herculean efforts lamar at times has been herculean but the offense still hasn't really clicked. And this Ravens defense, I don't think is is what we're used to from some Ravens defense. So I feel like when you look at who the Ravens are, I I think the best teams in the NFL offensively are going to expose a lot of teams that are like, I, I think it's not going to be uncommon to see Miami just absolutely run teams out of the, the building one week or Buffalo, like they've done at times. And I think the lions could absolutely do that this weekend.
0: Really? Cause it's interesting this year right now, by a lot of people has been marked by defensive success. When you look around the NFL at what a team like the Cleveland Browns were able to do last weekend, what Baltimore has done, what Buffalo did in that matchup against Miami on and on down the list, the really the whole AFC North defense, as a poster for this conversation, there have been a lot more on that side of the ball, having success at a day and age where Offense is supposed to rule the NFL. We're supposed to see these teams, based on the way this is structured, having all the success, and yet defenses have somehow, it seems like, been able to adjust right now, whether it's because of the amount of pass rushers, the lack of depth and quality depth along offensive lines around the NFL, and just the creative defensive schemes that so many of these coordinators are now employing. fits. it does seem like we're, I don't want to say golden age of defenses, but we've finally seen... I think some adjustment by players coming up and the schemes that are currently being employed that are giving offenses a much tougher time than most people anticipated.
1: We saw that last week for sure. And I think that was stunning last week. And I will give you Cleveland all day, every day. Like, they're, they're, the way they move Miles Garrett around is just, it, it's like, I always talk about how much I appreciate Mike McDaniel and his pre snap movement. And, you know, they pointed out on the Sunday Night Football broadcast a few weeks ago that the three teams that use the most pre snap movement offensively are the Chiefs the Dolphins and the 49ers. What do you know? Right. The, the yeah. three toughest defenses. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm watching the, the the Browns do the same thing with Miles Garrett all over, all the way up to the, the snap of the ball. I think that's revolutionary. That's the future of what every team with a great pass rusher, Cough Raiders, Max Crosby, should be doing more of. Like I think I, I get excited by that. But a, a lot of what we've seen so far, in my opinion, like when we start looking at some of these defenses that are stepping up, is really been just bad offenses taking on pretty good defense it's like I'm waiting for the cream to rise and to see the best of the best versus the best of the best Cleveland is an exception to that rule with the way they play defensively but man I like are we are we really looking at Philadelphia last week and saying they were stymied by great defense or are we looking I, at them saying like Jalen Hurts had his head up his rear end throwing a bunch of those footballs I mean I don't know how
0: you can not give credit to that defense yeah, especially come on it's I mean I'm
1: not even. I'm not even the defensive
0: guy on this and I look up because I think it's twofold. I heard Dominique Foxworth make this point the other day talking to Kevin Clark about how you've got a generation of defensive backs that have now grown up with the current rules in football and all the limitations placed on them and managed to adjust because that's what high-level athletes do when they've had to work. We talked about that relative to targeting for years of, hey, you gave defenders for so long such a limited window to hit. Well, this generation of players has grown up having to hit that limited window, and so they've gotten really good at it. But the other thing is, and the Jets are the poster for this, Fitz, the amount of bodies that you can roll through up front that give you quality depth, spell guys, get after passers, being able to throw that constantly at offenses that anytime you see a starting offensive lineman go out, and the Eagles, best offensive line in the NFL, Lane Johnson goes down and the picture starts to look a little bit different because around the league, the drop off from best pass protector to their backup versus best pass rusher to their backup. The drop-off on one side is not nearly the cliff that exists on the other side, and that skews overwhelmingly in favor of defense right now.
1: But does that not, though, as we sit here and analyze what our defense looks like, does it not matter that, A, you've got a shell of an offensive line out there? Because I'm with you, and, and I think you and I have said this for years at this point, Mike. There aren't 32 qualified left tackles in the NFL, and I I don't know what fixes that. So once you start to get into depth you're screwed across the league. But then the other part of it, so you've got feasting on backups and you've got quarterbacks, not just not just Jalen last week, which I think was an aberration, but all over the league, you've got quarterbacks throwing weird footballs into weird situations where there are three defensive backs there. Like, I mean, part of that is defense, and part of that you're just yeah. looking at and saying, what are you doing? Why are you throwing that football? My God, just throw the ball away. Like there's a, there is some element of uh, offense helps make some of these defense look, be- look better when they're playing incompetent football.
3: Oh my God! I, I just just disgusted in this discussion I, right now. I,
0: I will say one more thing to that front two fits is in this day and age, and and dead. We've talked about this relative to defenses having to corral these guys, the space alien quarterbacks that we've got. We've got a lot of awesome, incredibly physically gifted quarterbacks in the NFL: Herbert, Lawrence, Allen, Patrick Mahomes. You can go on and on with these guys that are also playing a more aggressive brand of football. We've the Dallas Cowboys offense has regressed from that last year after Dak threw all those interceptions because he was trying to push the ball downfield. because that's how you've won in modern football even as defenses have adjusted we've still seen these guys with the confidence to try and throw into windows because they believe more often than not they're going to be a net positive for their team throwing into those spots but it does create opportunities for defense to make big game changing plays because you've got a generation of quarterbacks that I think are markedly better risk takers than the ones that have come before them based on the style we play overall right now.
3: I completely agree with that. Uh, along the along the lines of, of quarterback and offensive talk, Jason, do you think Brock Purdy got found out a little bit when he lost some of his talent, or do you put that to just a bad game against one hell of a defense in Cleveland?
1: I put that. It's a bad game against one hell of a defense. And, like, with, with Brock, I keep saying this, too. Everybody uses his weapons as an excuse for greatness. I'll use an 80s cartoon analogy. Brock is part of Voltron. All right, like as one individual robot, maybe none of those robots were as good as Transformers. But what you had when you stacked all those robots together was one butt-kicking massive robot, and that is like the the weapons, the coaching, all the reasons that we're trying to excuse Brock Purdy. I would remind everybody that he's doing things that Trey Lance and Jimmy G didn't get, didn't accomplish in those offense in that offense, and also the things that are around him are simply the things that are around him. Like I I, I just. I think we overcomplicate the conversation at this point. Like Brock Purdy, not only is he going to keep winning a bunch of games, but in a couple of years when he gets that massive contract because he wins so many games, people are going to wonder if he's worth it. And I just, I'm not like, it's just, the proof's in the pudding. Like when you're, when you win this many games, also go back and look at Peyton Manning's 14th start and tell me how great it was. I'm just saying.
0: And I, I agree with your assessment there, but you you hinted at the thing that is most fascinating to me is what the conversation among 49ers fans is going to be when right. all of a sudden it's time to pay that guy. Mm-hmm. Then let me see what you 50. think of him at that point when oh my the numbers gosh. start showing up on the page. Check out Jason Fitz doing a great job with Yahoo Sports covering football, Fox Sports Radio. Fitzie, we appreciate it, brother. Your name is still in the running for the possum name, so we'll let you yes. know how that goes. Patio Possum! Oh my God. If I name my possum Jason Fitz, that means I'm going to beat its ass every day. <laughs> Back after this, Let's go, go, Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad and the Perfect Eats. Luckily, you're a game-time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golic. This league! Okay, Uh, after saying that he was gearing up to play in Friday's preseason finale. James Harden did not appear at practice yesterday. Apparently, he was in Houston. Uh, and when asked about Harden's absence, Joel Embiid had an interesting take on the situation.
0: Embiid has something to do? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, so, but we had a good practice. Uh, you know, we completed, went up and down a little bit.
2: Maybe he had something to do, you know? <laughs> oh,
0: I left the stove on. Got to go back home and check that
3: check out. Check something, yeah. So I
2: had to wash my hair tonight. Sorry, guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sorry. The Jonas Brothers were in town. I can't miss them when they're in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dad, this has to be exhausting for Oh, Joel my gosh.
3: I mean, I, I just can't imagine. I just, you know... W- picture everything from a former player standpoint and to to have that this kind of disgruntlement in the locker room from one guy where you don't know if you're going to have him now Harden has said uh, the last preseason game I think is Friday uh, that he wants to play in to kind of get ready for the season which starts next week Um, and he had said he's you know going to prepare to play though he feels that his relationship with the front office is like a divorce; it's not going to be able to be fixed, and he still wants to be traded. But the question was going to be: if that doesn't happen, is he going to be a good soldier and go play ball? Well, this until or unless we hear something else, we it doesn't sure doesn't sound like, and we know he hasn't been a good soldier in the past. I mean, he's littered with a history of this kind of thing. That's why I, I we have talked about this. I wouldn't even think about paying him long-term money because you pay somebody that to help you win championships, and that's when he kind of disappears uh, in the playoffs. Uh, so this one, it shouldn't shock us, though in any other – imagine being on a team, Mike, where this happened, like in football. Someone just didn't show up. That's what someone, I mean. Like someone I mean, you're counting God, yes, to just, show up. just doesn't show up. But I, I don't think anybody in Philadelphia is surprised because of his history, knowing he wants out of there, and a coupled with his history, to them it's it's not, I'm sure, not shocking. It's like, oh, that's Harden being
0: Harden. It's interesting to think about that locker room dynamic for the 76ers because for Joel Embiid, who is the reigning MVP, the best player on this team, a guy trying to maximize the prime of his window, it's like anything else you're willing to overlook a lot for the sake of production in sports yeah you've had plenty of teammates who didn't all prepare like their life depended on this thing you've got teammates to party during the week that'll do the strip club thing like James Harden and as long as you show up and ball usually right, no right. one cares like that's right. generally the operating procedure in a locker room is whatever you need to do to get ready for this game and to be at your best go ahead and do I don't care what it is as long as when you show up inside this building we're good to go and you're ready to rock for Joel Embiid, I have to imagine a lot of that trust was fractured in this last year when all of a sudden in pivotal moments it still kind of feels like it's just you versus the world yep. and you've been waiting for them to bring you help, waiting for someone to ease that load. You just went through the Ben Simmons experience prior to that and have to be looking around again feeling like you're taking crazy pills right now.
3: Yeah, and and again, we saw him put up big points Harden, in a couple of playoff games but then completely disappeared. And the expectation when you're at the level that he's at is you know you're always going to be there contributing somehow some way the other part of that and i agree with you that uh, because i've had teammates uh who you know and and almost under buddy ryan it wasn't this way never said it but it almost felt like hell even if you're in jail all week it doesn't matter if you show up sunday and play we're good right but one of the differences here is when you have a disgruntled employee because you know that's where the media are going. You know the questions they're going to ask. So that's always going to permeate the locker room. There's one thing, if a dude is fine being there, he just has a weird way of preparing and is still great on the field, the court, or the ice. But it's another thing when you have somebody who doesn't want to be there. They're constantly asked that. Then you're asked that. And then the locker room you know, vibe is just off. Well, you know, So I think, I, I-, I think that's a big
0: issue. I do think a lot of that, though, is still always goes back to what you already think about that player. Yeah. Like, I remember when I did the offseason program with New Orleans in like 2014, it was when Jimmy Graham was there, who is still somehow in the league right now. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah. Again, which is pretty incredible. wild. Yeah. But, When Jimmy Graham was there, he was going through arbitration at the time over the disagreement on his franchise tag. Remember, he wanted to be franchise tagged as a wide receiver. The NFL obviously wanted to franchise him as a tight end. There was all this back and forth. And in that locker room, that was something that, yes, that was an important player that was supposed to be there for the team that was in a financial disagreement with the team over money, which is what this is with James Harden. It's a financial disagreement on what they chose to do with him, not giving in the long-term deal, what they chose to then say they were going to trade him if he opted back in and then not finding a trade partner right now, that not working out With the los angeles clippers it all boils down to a financial disagreement but in that case that locker room there were still guys that would defend jimmy graham that understood hey this could be any of us hey this is him trying to get his money right we don't pocket watch other guys and so there was lots of support for him around there internally and when you're asked about it in the media it's a lot easier dad when it's someone that you trust and believe right hey right. also wants the best for this team to say i'm gonna have his back because i know he would have my back in a similar situation and because i know this represents all of us with james harden i don't know if there's that feeling internally because what he's doing his crusade while you could lump it to player empowerment does seem pretty unique to his brand of being disgruntled employee no matter where he's going and so it doesn't feel like it represents the rest of the team and now you're kind of i don't know if he gave his teammates the heads up it doesn't sound like it was joel but if you're the guy that's doing that and making their life harder internally in those ways it's a lot tougher to feel like that's a guy you want to have his back when it comes up and does get annoying asking and answering those questions Uh, i
3: i agree i i i I don't know what the locker room vibe is like there at all, but the one thing anyway is he hasn't played in any preseason games. The team is used to him not playing in those, so it's not like he's this guy starter that that you really hope is there the whole time and then all of a sudden he's taken away. Oh, he hasn't been there. you know, He hasn't been playing. So they're used to playing without him, and I think that's that's their thought process. Well, we know the type of personality he is. If he's here, great. If he's not, we've been used to playing without him. So, I, but but that that's got to be a tough relationship with everybody in the locker room because the locker room, man, that's that's it in the league, man. Even in college, too, the locker room is such an important place. And here, where you have even less people, obviously way less people than you have in a football locker room, um, of how it can have an effect and and. But this is this is part and parcel to Harden. I mean, he's been he's been a disgruntled and when he when he wants something his way that he's not getting, he's been a disgruntled pain uh to to get what he wants.
0: I'll be very interested because and you always point this out that things are fixable even if players say they aren't. Usually money is the thing that does it, though. That's the thing that mends these ships, and the financial situation is not going to change, I don't believe, for James Harden here, but this is also a sport with a really long season. We just talked about that a lot relative to baseball, and so a player missing the preseason in the NBA really doesn't mean anything because we basically treat the whole fall like a preseason in the NBA. We're talking about less load management this year. The NBA is trying to make that a priority, but in general, we hardly see much of these guys until we get to Christmas by and large and so part of me does wonder if this is a little bit overblown because it's training camp but then the other part of my brain goes what about James Harden's past behavior leads me to believe right, that this is right. not going to bleed over right. into the season that some version of this weren't, wasn't going to happen again even if he does come back and he says yeah I left the stove on in Houston I had to go back and take care of that had some bills to pay something or other that came up and starts for them in the regular season it just feels like because we know the feelings that are simmering for him, we're always just another peek around the corner right, from this right. popping back up during the year, and that's the worry.
3: I don't think anybody ever feels completely settled that he's there and he's and he's good and it's going to be a smooth season. That you, like you, I agree. They're
0: waiting for the next shoe to drop. of What's the next thing that's going to set him off? Yeah, and so we will wait to see uh, what that looks like. For James Harden, as we get going, like the season's starting on Tuesday and with all the things that we're excited about and with the rest of the Eastern Conference, everyone's talked so much about how the Dame Lillard trade, you look around it. boston got better because of uh how that trade shook out and the bucks obviously got better because of how that shook out look at miami left holding the bag look at the 76ers right now quietly sitting over there if james harden does blow up in their face they weren't able to flip him and get anything forward in the off season right you've got this walking into the year now where this is the team you're going to be by and large unless you can really work some magic around the trade deadline later on they become a team that might be watching the rest of the Eastern Conference elite start to pass them by. Coming up next, let's take a look at some of the key injury updates heading into this coming weekend in the NFL here on Gojo and Gold. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year. And is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Heading into week seven, we have an injury update on Deshaun Watson. So he didn't practice Wednesday. He's missed Cleveland's past two games. Hasn't had a full practice since September 22nd. And yesterday he updated the media on how he's progressing with that rotator cuff injury.
3: It's my first time dealing with a rotator cuff. So uh, I'm just trying to get as comfortable as I possibly can to go out there and perform at the, the level I know I can. And if I can't, then you know, we just got to continue to take it day to day. You know, I'm not going to put the team in jeopardy if I can't do certain things that is going to allow us to, you know, be handicapped in certain situations. So, um, you know, that's the reason why I haven't been able to, you know, step on the field.
2: Makes sense, guys. I mean, he's taking it slow, oh, very slow. Yeah. But do they have the listen, luxury of taking it slow?
3: Well, it, yeah. listen, it doesn't matter whether right then. Believe me, I know about those, the rotator cuff. And that was a D lineman where you could go out You know, and have surgeries and end up playing and stuff. But you're a quarterback, and you got to throw the ball. The rotator cuff, man. I mean, there's just, there's just, there are some things you just can't play through. You just can't do. You know, it. It isn't even about hurting it worse. It's just about you can't function with what you need to do on the field with that type of an injury. So that's just going to be purely a time thing,
0: without question. So for the Cleveland Browns, it's going to continue to then have to be that defensive showcase of yes. what Jim Schwartz has done on the other side of the football as whoever's starting out there. And we've seen Dorian Thompson-Robinson. We've seen P.J. Walker this last weekend. So we'll wait and see what the future looks like for that Browns team there Dad, they're an interesting situation in that division. That right now, if the season ended today, would have three playoff teams, and one of them yeah. would not be the Cincinnati Bengals, which, which is, is wild. Uh, it really is amazing. Yeah, but long season, the way the Bengals are turning it around, the Browns, the Browns and the Steelers would probably have to be the ones that give you the most pause with that right now. But we'll wait and see with Deshaun, as that, regardless of. Like you said, the fact that he can't go still, the fact that he can't go is making their two hundred and thirty million dollar experiment look look like an unmitigated disaster based on play and availability. It
3: it really does. And, and, you know, I sit there and say for an injury takes time. Well, of of course. I mean, we know it takes time. My point being, you can't stick a needle in it. Right. I mean, because that was certainly my answer to a lot of things and other people do the same thing. But this is when you can't you can't do that for a rotator cuff on the throwing shoulder of a quarterback. That, that's my point. You can't you can't speed this up by a by a you know medicine medical process here uh, any quicker than than it need be for this position in this particular injury.
0: I wonder how long before the eye starts to wander for the Browns, because obviously financially yeah. I haven't looked at the specifics oh, in a while of when they could even begin to think about moving off this contract. But dad, if you were to miss the lion's share of this season or if it were to get Get injured worse and you would have miss the rest of the year the prospect of walking into 2024 with deshaun watson as your quarterback based on what you've seen for this brown team and based on what you know you've got defensively that's a pretty daunting task and pretty morbid for an organization that listen has plenty of quarterback failure in its wake that's a world that the browns have lived in more than anybody but with this with all of the moral sacrifice that you made to yep. try and get yep. on field production for there to be largely no payoff so far and if that were to continue Continue this season I think you've got to start having some really hard conversations maybe not about what you do in the immediacy for next season but long term what you're going to do for this franchise if this turns out to be another colossal failure the way it's felt so far
3: his cap hit this year Mike is 19 million his cap hit next year is 63 million God. and now again what we're, about we're, the dead what's the dead cap hit you start dead cap hit um this, this camp, the dead cap, okay. The dead cap hit for this year. Well, it's forget this year. For next year, 200 million. Oh, is that, okay. even, is, is that even? I mean, yeah, then it, no, then, it, then it goes down to 136 million in 2025, and then 27 million in 2026, and then 8 million in 2027. So I, I'd imagine they can re- restructure along the way. Um, I, I guess, but man, you really, whew. You yeah. really
0: browns the hell out of this thing, so this, uh,
3: plus, plus, like you said, the moral side
0: of it, which you know,
3: we are we going to point at one person or one team and say morals? I mean, you know, let's,
0: uh, I mean, but we but can still we can point. We can point at the Browns and say morals on this one. Well, I feel we can. not And again, that.
3: they've listen. They've done it before. As I said, that's why we shouldn't be shocked. Kareem Hunt was on video kicking, kicking a woman on the ground, and you knew he was getting suspended for eight games, and the Browns signed him as well. So. Uh, You know, I'm not going to sit here and say people don't deserve second chances, but the Browns are one of those that that have obviously done it a couple of times, you know, and in this case, some large money in a fully
0: guaranteed contract that sent the other owners, you know, skyrocketing in anger. So that's the Browns messed up situation right now. Speaking of talking about quarterbacks, injury-wise, Dad, we've got Kyler Murray back at practice for the Arizona Cardinals in another very complicated situation. Um, uh, Jonathan Gannon has said that's our franchise quarterback, so I'm happy about that. We're still not sure, though, if the season continues to progress this negatively for the Arizona Cardinals. Would you let your new head coach start his tenure with the quarterback that he wants in a draft class that's chock full of dudes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: It, I, I think they would go another direction, right? I mean, that, I that's that, what it all seemed like. Now, remember, the thing about it, too, he has the the guaranteed money if he's hurt. So that was the interesting thing to me. Sometimes you keep a player off the field so they're not dealing with an injury, so you don't have to lock in that then guaranteed money, and you wonder what's going to happen in this situation.
0: Yeah, they've got that calculus to do with Kyler Murray, because I do think if you're within range and you lose enough games to be in Caleb Williams or Drake May territory, you take one of those guys and you figure out the rest. Those are two of the best prospects yep. in this class. They're going to be 1A, 1B, however it shakes out. And if you can get one of those guys and start the clock over for Jonathan Gannon, yep. I think you do it based on what the tenure of Kyler Murray has looked like so far.
3: I mean, would you do that? Is that the route yes. you would go?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially for those two guys. I think, you know, while people are going to be down on Caleb Williams after this last weekend that's still an incredible quarterback there are warts in his game that we'll talk about more as we get to draft season but him and drake may are legitimate certified capital d dudes and if i'm a team picking at the top who's got a chance to start over my clock them the bears those are probably both teams that would have to think long and hard about that and i think ultimately go with the young new face yep. dad let's get to one more thought on a quarterback before we finish up this segment this was michael parsons pass rusher for the dallas cowboys On a solo podcast the other day, which he deserves more credit for being able to do as well as he had, bemoaning the fact the way his team is treated versus another team in the NFC East. I just don't condone the bashing of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and have the same energy for the Eagles. We want the same energy for everybody because there's a whole bunch of bashing when it's Dak Prescott, but not the same when it's the Eagles. I got time today. A lot of people said the Browns defense was overhyped. I said the Browns are the real deal. Acho said this, which pissed me off. I'm not worried about the 49ers. They were missing Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. The Browns were missing Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb. They were missing them key factors before the game even started. So why is it that we are just scrubs and we're nobodies that don't deserve to be on the field and we're just all talk, but there's a hundred excuses for these other other teams. If y'all just want to hate Cowboys Nation, just say, y'all hate Cowboys Nation. I'm tired of people trashing my quarterback. I'm tired of people trashing my team. And that's why I had nothing to say to the media this week. I appreciate a guy defending his quarterback and yes. a guy who can hold the microphone solo like that for as long as people don't understand how difficult that is. So yes. kudos to Michael Parsons for being a man of many skills. But, Dad, is he new to the concept of the Dallas Cowboys here? Why are these things surprising? <laughs>
3: I, I mean, it, yeah, w- welcome to the world of the star on your helmet, my friend. That That's like having a gold helmet in college or a Yankee you know, batting hat in uh, a batting... Uh, helmet in baseball I mean you're just a target man that's just that's just the way it is and you know what it's not going to change so get used to being that in your eyes here unfairly treated that ain't that ain't stopping anytime soon by by the fans out there
2: I just and love him ex- being like he's like I got time today I got time yeah. today <laughs> let me just go off I was like my brother in Christ you have time every day it's just you
0: it is just you out here alone in a microphone that's a lot of time to work that being said I do think people have been critical of Jalen Hurts in recent weeks, especially after this last game that we've seen. But for Dak Prescott, really for the Dallas Cowboys, dad, this is a lifetime achievement award of blame that they're going to receive every week because of what this team hasn't been since the mid-90s. The Eagles and the 49ers, the two teams he referenced, were both in the NFC Championship last year. The 49ers have been in a Super Bowl in recent years. All things that have evaded the Dallas Cowboys and eluded yep. the Dallas Cowboys, predating Michael Parsons, who is exceptional, but they're always going to be a lightning rod because of that.
3: That stops all the chatter if you can make it to a Super Bowl. Then it'll be win the Super Bowl, but making it there, like you said, San Francisco and Philly did. Got to crawl before
0: you walk on that stuff. Coming up next, we'll crawl towards the finish. We'll re up some possum names with this, that, <laughs> the third next here on Gojo and Golic, right here on the DraftKings Network. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's gonna win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish and Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., and Jesse Cofield ready to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on into of the day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating, and check us out on all the places you can see us on video, DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, and more. Uh, and, guys, at Gojo and Golick on Twitter is where you can follow us and continue to submit names for the possum that is still living in my walls right now. (laughs) Dad, Jesse, do either of you have a favorite from some of the names that we've thrown out here today? Again, we've had ones, obviously, Stugatz has been a major one. Pojo, uh, Spencer Hall got a shout-out in there. Harmony, Wally was another really clever one in there. Is there anyone that stuck out to you guys of the ones we've seen today?
2: Wally's my favorite because I think it's cute.
0: I you know what?
3: Huge. Amazingly enough, I think the same thing. I kind of liked Wally as well. I think that is very good since it's coming through the wall. Yeah. So yeah, all I right. Like that Wally,
0: one. the leader in the clubhouse right now. Maybe we'll put it up to a vote on the poll with Wally and Pojo and Stu Gott since those seem to be the top vote earners so far. Again, at Gojo Show on at Gojo and Golik on Twitter, you can keep those coming. We'll get a ruling on that. We'll name the sweet prince or princess that's living inside the walls <laughs> at the moment here. But guys, uh, let's move away from the creature that could have crawled into my bed at that point. I forgot I left the bathroom door open at this point, so this is going to be an adventure post show. (laughs) Uh, And get to this, that, and the third. And start off with this. Roger Goodell, three more years. Three more years. Uh, One of the most tenured uh, um, commissioners in pro sports. Re-ups and signs a new three-year deal, Dad. Roger Goodell, who reportedly on his last deal was earning in the neighborhood of $69 million a year puts pen to paper on a deal that it was interesting dad the way a lot of the conversation was around this that sounds like it has the potential to be his last stint as the commissioner of the NFL they talked about this as a potential opportunity to start grooming a replacement right. for an owner that's been a part of one of the biggest stretches of growth in NFL history
3: the, uh, Roger Goodell was an administrative intern in 1982 for the NFL under then commissioner Pete Rozelle so, I mean, it, it is unbelievable. The run he's had, close to $700 million he has made. And listen, we know it, and, and he's done deals and obviously done the job of the commissioner. But one of the big jobs of a commissioner, right, is taking the arrows for the owners, right? taking those slings and arrows and darts and, and taking all the hits and wearing that armor uh, and, and try and have all that deflect off of him so it doesn't get to the owners. That's 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 part of the gig.
2: Guys, at the end of the day, NFL owners have seen the value of their teams skyrocket during Goodell's tenure, yep. which at the end of the day, right, that's what it's about. So the last team to sell before Goodell took over in 2006 sold for $600 million. Washington this year sold for $6 billion. So – Yeah, there's some like inflation to factor in there, but at the same time, that is significant.
0: And whether or not Goodell has exact ties to that or not, he's been the face at the helm, and he's been the force that's allowed the owners to go out and accomplish this, because during Goodell's time, you've had a lot of scandal off the field going all the way back to the Ray Rice scandal. You've had everything that went on during the pandemic, the social reckoning of that summer, Colin Kaepernick and the protests that went on here, all the player safety issues. There's been a litany of things that will be attached to Roger Goodell's a- a legacy, which is why I'm surprised he hasn't leaned back more into, I think, the moment that got him the highest QR rating he's Q rating he's ever had, which was during the 2020 virtual NFL draft when he was clearly descending into a bit of a buzz stupor on the couch in his basement reading off the draft picks that night. That was the most relatable Roger's ever been, and I can't believe he hasn't gone back to the well on that day. I know.
3: I thought he might again, but I think they obviously love the show out in public of, of the – you know, where the, the barnstorming of the, uh, of the NFL draft every year, which I, I think is fantastic. But you're right. He's, he's going to have some things, and, and they will be attached to him. You know, even though it's the NFL, he was commissioner then when some of the things that went on that that we really thought, and, and I guess it really proved again just how powerful the NFL is because it rarely gets dented, Right when when bad things are going on and there have been some bad things that have gone on uh in this league and uh, some of it under uh Roger Goodell so uh but but the NFL survives a lot of it and I think the owners understand that that he's gotten us helped us get through a lot of very very turbulent waters and they feel very secure with him kind
0: kind of being that front guy wearing the armor for him he'll get the credit for that it's the inherent violence of the sport that everyone loves that ultimately is the reason that that is able to weather the storm I think it's the addiction to what we watch every weekend I Mm -hmm. don't give the commit you know Roger Goodell has done parts of the job that certainly have made him a commissioner they trust but I think ultimately it's the sport that gets the responsibility for that Jesse let's get to that uh a little issue at the start of the NHL season for one prominent star
2: yeah, okay, so on Tuesday, ahead of Dallas's game with the Golden Knights, Tyler Seguin had a little issue with security, showed up at the rink. The guard did not recognize him, didn't want to let him enter the dressing room to get ready for the game, so he had to show the guard three valid proofs of ID to get in. So he had to get his phone out, as you can see in this photo. Search for his own profile on NHL.com to finally let him go in to the Stars locker room. Guys, wow. I mean, hysterical. He's literally like, that's me. That
3: that's is gotta amazing.
0: A, that's got to be a tough film session for that security guard when they do the meeting after the fact, breaking this down. They're like, dog, really? You're going to go out here and make us look like this? The guy hits you with Google me? You didn't look at that suit and think that looks like a guy who might be getting ready to go do something important. That might look like a guy who's making millions of dollars to go out there and spank that puck. No, no, no. He's got to show you his Google image search, dog. By the way,
3: is and, and Jesse, you said three forms of ID. A, 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 at any point, do you have
2: three forms of ID on you? No. Like, what is that? I know a passport, I don't. A driver's license, and then what's the third? The picture of him on NHL.com. Like, I don't. What am I, I, I supposed to show? Piece my of LinkedIn mail that picture. that was sent to
0: my house. I got yeah. my yeah. electric bill. Yeah. Do you have a utility bill
3: that you carry with you to show as proof of this? I
2: mean, I don't have wow. my passport on me, so like, I just have one form of ID. I have my driver's license.
3: Yeah, Yeah, shouldn't that be enough?
0: I mean, wow. You'd think? I just, you know what? I don't know if this is a failure of preparation or execution because, again, too, you should probably have some familiarity with the guys that are usually coming Mm -hmm. in and out of these stadiums, where and when they come out. We'll wait and see in the breakdown after the fact, but this can be a tough one. We'll wait and see if we get a statement from security on managing to uh, bungle this one pretty good. But, Dad, Jesse, let's get to the third here the most important line item. Of the day, Dad. I knew this was going to speak right to your Mm -hmm.
2: heart. Yeah, this reported
0: yesterday by Brett McMurphy, Jesse.
2: It's pretty wild. University of Tulsa partnered with Anheuser Busch and Tulsa Oktoberfest to try for a Guinness Book of World Record for the world's largest beer tasting. A beer tasting, fellas. Let's go. So
0: there's specific rules I didn't realize for a beer tasting that Brett McMurphy outlined. Each participant. Has to taste three beers as they are guided by a certified. Uh, it a yeah, what, is what is that Cicerone? Yeah,
3: what is that? What is Cicerone?
0: Is that like a sommelier
3: but for beers? Uh, maybe I know there is a that person for beer. Cicerone
0: Ciceron. is is, is Sorry, that Cicerone? I've been eating a lot of pork rinds lately. I, I
3: Mike, I met one of those types of people. That's a Cicerone, and they go through ex- the same thing the wine people do as far as knowing everything and the tests that they have. So. That's pretty, I, at least I think that's what the Cicerone is. What are they, like this,
2: I, this Michelob Ultra is the champagne of beers? Like what? I,
3: I, I, I don't know, but I know I would easily be, taste three beers. I would do times a few. I would I would taste 10 beers. The current record is 1,243 people, people in Barcelona, Spain uh, in, uh, in July of 22. So good luck to them. I would love to be part of it. Let me tell you that right now because I could throw down some beer.
0: Honestly, this seems kind of like a weak record because of the volume and what's expected. Yes. Like, I want to know what's the largest amount of people that have gotten together in one area to get drunk and I understand that might be impossible to measure because we've had championship parades and sporting events and the World Cup but I do feel like we've got to set the bar a little bit higher here because 1,243 people sipping a couple of beers with a chicharone out there going and showing you how to do this does not seem
3: like my kind of
0: impressive.
2: At least three beers.
0: Yeah,
3: I guarantee you this record has been destroyed multiple times but it's just never been certified right i mean it's probably been destroyed
0: multiple times at a tulsa game. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly it's exactly right so it's just being certified so i don't know much i put into this bottom line though is i would get to drink beer so
0: i'd be happy we're gonna have a beer tasting on this show and break a record in the post-show meeting if you've enjoyed a few beers with us today leave us a rating a review download subscribe thanks we'll talk to you tomorrow Ugh. Ugh.